Can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Well, we are uh, nearing the end of our summer series. We're just calling an investigation where we have asked the standard who, what, when, where, why, how questions of the church and things of the church. I hope that you will make plans to be here uh, two weeks from today on August 25th. Uh, to see where at our ministry fair during the, the Sunday school hour to see where God might have you plug in and, and go deeper. Uh, we have discovered that the church is not a building, but it is the people. We don't just go to church, we are the church. And we gather around the person of Jesus Christ, who is the rock and foundation of, of who we are and what we do here. The church is God's number one plan to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. And there really is no plan B. Uh, it, it will last forever, and like we saw last time, it is the most glorious building project in all the world. God spoke this to his people regarding building the church in Haggai we saw last week. Consider your ways, verses 2 through 4 there in Haggai 1. This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? We saw in context that God's people were not excited about building the church. They were more interested in self-comfort than obedience. And in neglecting God's work, they were neglecting God's glory. That's what we're looking at here today as we ask the question, why? Verse 7 in Haggai 1, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, go to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Consider your ways. Be careful, little heart, what you believe, because Satan is always feeding us lies that we will find purpose and significance in all the things of this world other than Jesus and building his kingdom. According to Matthew 5, we are salt and we are light. Notice these verses here. Uh, Let your light so shine before men that, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice the pattern in in Haggai and Matthew. Uh, In Haggai, God said, Consider your ways, go up to the mountain, bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified. Then Matthew 5, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so we will go ahead and answer the why question here today. Why should we be the church? Why should we live on mission? Why should we let our lights shine? Why should we do our part to glorify God? To glorify God. Now to give evidence to this, uh, we're going to reference a book today called Cat and Dog Theology by Bob Shogren and Gerald Robinson. How many of you consider yourselves dog people? Anybody? Your, your dog people? I know Wayne is. Yeah, I know you are, man. Uh, okay, so how many of you are more cat people? Okay, all right. We can tell a lot, of, a lot about ourselves uh, by, by that. How many of you would say neither? Anybody? Ah, yeah, I see. We, we've got all, all across, don't we? Uh, so uh, whether or not you like Dogs, cats, or neither. We can all admit that dogs and cats are, are different. 
Now, we have both at our house. Uh, we have three dogs, and we have about two and a half too many. Uh, if, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you understand that or not. But uh, Bandit, he is the Border Collie Grandpa. And he made friends with the neighbor's German Shepherd a few years ago that resulted in outlaw. And then a few years later, she made friends with uh, a stray that resulted in tank. And so we have three generations of flea bags that just seem to stick around at our house. And honestly, if it wasn't for our kids, uh, these dogs would have different homes. Uh, but the thing about the, all three pups, it doesn't matter really what time of day it is. It doesn't matter if, if we just left two minutes ago and we had to turn around and come back. Every time, almost every time, that we come into the house and into the garage, they're outside dogs, but every time we pull into the, the, the driveway, we are greeted by, man, just a, it's like a, a homecoming. There is whining and wagging and sometimes melting and, and howling. I mean, it's just, you, you would think that we'd been gone for three years and every moment of the long break, they would just been longing for us to come home. It is the most glorious homecoming you can imagine. Now, our cats, on the other hand, not so much. Um, I heard a story, I read a story just this week about a study that found cats would gladly befriend their owner's enemies. And, and in this study, cats accepted treats from someone who visibly made their owners angry, while dogs would not. Our cats, they, they never greet us unless they want something. Um, the white one, he's hardly ever around, and when he is, he's so skittish, he doesn't even let us get within five feet of him, ten feet of him, you know? Um, needless to say, I am more of a dog person, but in cat and dog theology, an observation is made, and maybe you're familiar with it. A dog says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you must be God. The cat says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, I must be God. And the difference in cats and dogs is similar to how we live our Christian lives today. Dog theology says, Lord, you love me, you bless me abundantly, you gave your life for me, you must be God. But cat theology says, Lord, you love me, you bless me abundantly, you gave your life for me, I must be God. The next blank on your outline. It is an issue of obedience. Dogs long, they live to obey their master. But cats believe they are the master and actually want their true master to obey them. Dogs are not in it for themselves, but cats are. So in your spiritual life, what side do you see yourself? Uh, to help us uh, figure this out, just consider some of these things that are brought up in this book. Uh, many of us, we write in our Bibles. We highlight different verses that kind of stand out to us. And I encourage you to do that. We all have probably seen um, memory verse cards. And those are excellent resources. But cats and dogs, they read them differently. And you can tell what side of the line you are on by looking at the verses that you're just naturally drawn to. If you find yourself highlighting verses or parts of verses that mostly pertain to you, uh, then you may be more of a cat. For example, Philippians 4.13, we know this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
It is a wonderful verse. It is a true verse. But actually in context, it's talking about being content with what you have and what you don't have. Being content within your limits. We can only do that through Christ who gives us strength. And actually who is the most important subject of that verse. Cats tend to like, um, I can do all things, but then kind of skim over through Christ who gives me strength. Even a verse like John 3.16 can be read differently by cats and dogs. Consider this. A dog reads John 3.16, For God. Who is God? He's the Alpha and Omega, the great I Am, the all-sufficient Lord God Almighty of all creation. For God so loved. How amazing is it that God loves us even when we offend Him. His unconditional, never-stopping, never-giving-up love is truly amazing. For God so loved the world, the sinful from birth, impure, self-centered, wretched, wicked, including me. That's who God loves. It truly is unexplainable. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. His one and only son. to Take our punishment upon himself. What an incredible and unfathomable and innocent sacrifice. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Our God is willing to forgive anyone's sin, everyone's sin. Jesus paid the price to make us holy and righteous and pure. What an awesome God we serve. That's how a dog looks at John 3.16. It's all about God. But a cat takes a different view. For God. Okay, we'll just kind of skip over that part and and move on. For God so loved the world. Oh, that's me. This verse is all about me. God did everything for me, which is true. However, it's incomplete. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Okay, yeah, we know. That's, that's Jesus. Let's move on. That whoever believes in him. Hey, look. He's talking about me again. It's, it's all about me. God is doing this for me. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, eternal life. I can't wait. I'm going to have a great big house with a lot of land and a putting green in the backyard. Man, I'm going to have so much fun. What a God I serve. While there is truth in the fact, yes, God loves us, and Jesus paid the sacrifice for me, I am not the most important subject of this verse. Cats are not necessarily incorrect. They're just incomplete. You can write that down. They're not incorrect. They're just incomplete. We can see the difference, can't we? And we can do this with a lot of verses. The focus is on me. Instead of who God really is. 
Cats are, are more interested in, in the verses or parts of verses that speak about themselves and what they can gain rather than those that speak of, of who God is and how great and powerful and big He is and those that speak of the gospel and what it says about God and what it says about me in light of who God is. Cats apply verses differently as well. You know, there are a lot of verses in the Word of God that, that speak of suffering. Cats don't like them because they don't make them feel good. The only scriptures that apply to them are the ones that speak on their benefit. Scripture that add to their sense of well-being. For example, consider this. Did, did God have a plan for Abraham? The, the obvious answer is, of course, yes. Did he have a plan for Moses and David and Paul? Of course, the answer is yes. So, does God have a plan for your life? Yes. But, what if it's not quite as glorious as the plan he had for Abraham, Moses, David, and Paul? Did God have a plan for the almost nine generations that lived in slavery before Moses delivered God's people? Yes. And his plan was for them to be born a slave and be in Egyptian captivity their entire life. Uh, Did God have a plan for first century martyrs and all the martyrs for that fact? Yes. But what if God's plan for us is less like the pillars of the faith and more like the unnamed slaves and martyrs? We don't like to hear that. I don't like to say that. But what if it's true? Is God somehow not as good if it is? We love the part of Joseph's story when he becomes second in command over all of Egypt. That's the part that I want to relate to. What about the part where his brother sold him as a slave and he spent 13 years in jail? Uh, We love the part of John the Baptist's story When he baptized Jesus and he stood up to the Pharisees, but what about the part when Herodias' daughter requested his head on a platter and she got it? Cats use selective reading and listening. They use selective application. Verses like these, they just don't apply to me. Cats justify sin by believing that God wants them to be happy. And so they disregard the rules that he has set in place to get to happy. God does want us to be happy, but he wants us to be happy when we obey him. You can write that down. He does want us to be happy, but he wants us to be happy in him when we obey him. It's an issue of obedience. I know this hits hard. Here I thought I was a dog person. Maybe I've got more cat in me than I thought. The thing is, you can't really tell the difference between the two just by looking at them. Because it's more than an outside issue. The next blank on your outline, it's also an issue of the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7, The Lord does not see like man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, cats believe that God lives for them, making God's glory secondary to their own and conditional upon their condition. But God believes that God exists for God 
and makes God's glory primary and unconditional. No matter what, our God reigns. Cats find purpose in living happy, easy, safe, and comfortable Christian lives. Getting out of my comfort zone is out of the question. But dogs find purpose in, in making God famous no matter the cost. No matter what God is calling me to, the answer is yes. Cats ask the question, how is God blessing my life? But dogs ask the question, how is God being blessed through my life? Cats thank God for what He's doing for them, what He's done for them. Dogs just thank God. Cats like feel-good theology. Give me a message that makes me feel good. And don't we know there are preachers out there who every week will make you feel good. Don't we also know that there are parts of the gospel, there are parts of the word that are not meant to feel good. Dog takes the uh, it's not about me mentality. God's glory is primary so I'm going to listen to the voice of God even when it convicts because I know that my God loves to bring up sin because my God loves to forgive and restore. For cats, life is supposed to be fair. Unfairness means that there must be sin or Satan present. But for dogs, life is supposed to radiate the glory of God no matter what. God doesn't owe me anything He has already given me immeasurably more than I can ever repay Him. And if all He ever did was to save my soul, I'm forever indebted to Him. What platform has God given you currently that He is calling you to give Him glory from? That's a tough question. That's old winner's circle theology. The focus is on God's blessings here on earth. If I live a solid Christian life, then it will be good. But dogs realize that their lives can be in ruins while here on earth, 70 plus years, but eternity is where God's glory is greatest revealed in their lives. And all of this suffering will be like light momentary affliction compared to the glory of heaven. Cats develop wrong priorities and attitudes that cause them to miss the message. God, I don't like this, so change it. Heal it. Dogs only have one priority. Glorify the Father. And even in prayer they say, Your will be done. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Let it be for your glory. Cats are on a rescue mission, meaning that they they feel the weight and burden of the Christian life. All these people are going to hell, and it's my responsibility to tell them about Jesus so they'll be saved. And if you think, well, isn't that right? It's not necessarily incorrect, it's just incomplete. Because people are the focus. Cats are people focused but dogs they're on a treasure hunt look at Matthew 13 44 again the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it and he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field now I believe there are a couple of correct ways to look at this verse and one view is that that Jesus is the man and people are the treasure and Jesus gave all to buy us 
The other view is that while we cannot buy our salvation, we should be willing to give up anything that God calls us to give up because the treasure is delighting in the one true God. Rather than being people-focused, dogs are focused on the glory of God. We find the treasure and continue to seek the treasure that is God himself we will naturally want to encourage others to join us. The weight is lifted because the treasure outweighs the burden. And then we realize it's not our burden to bear anyway. It's an issue of obedience. It's an issue of the heart. And finally, number three, it is all about God. It's all about God. Consider creation. Romans 11.36 For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Colossians 1, 16 through 17. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. If our world was designed to be all about us, it would be designed differently. He shares it with us, but it is for Him. Why else would 70% of the world be underwater and basically inaccessible to us? Not to mention the vast universe. The expanses that we're just barely getting glimpses of. All these brilliant colors and incredible sea life that we can only experience in pictures. God takes pleasure in them every day because their beauty was designed for Him. If it were all about us, why would there be sounds that dogs can hear but we can't? Why would eagles be able to see better than us? Why would a baby horse be able to walk at birth but it takes us nine months Sometimes they even crawl. If this were all about us, then why do our bodies wear out? If it were all about us, then why do most of us need to sleep a third of our lives away? Why do other creatures have advantages that we don't if it's all about us? Because it's not about us. It is about God. He created everything just like He wanted it. Revelation 4.11, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Dogs hear sounds that we can't because it pleased God to do it that way. Eagles see better than we can because it pleases God to do it, to have it that way. The majority of the earth is covered in water because it pleases God. We sleep to remind us that we have limits. We are not God. He never sleeps. Our bodies wear out so that we will put our hope in the living hope. He is the one who holds our eternity. The awesome galaxies that we can't see exist to bring God pleasure. He has named every star. This brings us back to our investigation question. Why? Why should I be a part of the church? Why does it matter? 
Why should I live on mission? Why should I build the church? Why? Because that's what God calls us to. When we obey Him, He is glorified. God's glorified in our obedience. So what we see in in cat and dog theology, it's a lighthearted title of a book that dives deep into the why. And it causes us to examine our hearts as individuals and see where we are. So as we go into a time of invitation, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes and consider some of these questions and answer them honestly with the Lord right there. Whose glory do you live for? Where do you find your purpose? Is your concern more about how God is blessing you or how you are blessing God? What platform has he currently given you? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. But either way, he's calling you to give him glory through it. How can you give him glory through it? Does your hope lie in the things of this earth or the things in heaven? How do your priorities need to change so that your life will glorify God? And these are tough questions. We just want to spend some time in in invitation. This altar is open. We know that that we can talk to the Lord wherever we are, but sometimes there's just nothing like coming to an old-fashioned altar and laying it down right here, believing it. God said to you through his word this morning, what are you going to do about it?